everybody, and welcome to a timely Wild Ride with Steve-O. We've got the voice of the octagon, Bruce Buffer, and what a legend he is. Plus, UFC fans, oof, three weeks without an event. I would say this is timely. This is the UFC fix. And man, do we get into it. What a fascinating guy to learn about his relationship with the famous Michael Buffer, who's his brother, known for saying, let's get ready to rumble. I mean, man, it's just incredible. What a good guy. What a great friend. And uh, it's just always a good time when I see old Bruce Buffer. It's always a good time when I'm drinking liquid death, too. Because, come on, this is the greatest company out there. If you're not aware of liquid death, their name comes from the fact that they are bringing death to plastic. Plastic is destroying the world, man, but these infinitely recyclable aluminum cans are not destroying the world. This company is on fire, man. I love it. And they've got these new flavors. Liquid Death, Mango Chainsaw, Severed Lime, Bury It Alive, the old standby regular sparkling, and of course, the Mountain Stillwater. Ah, I just can't say enough about how much I love this company and how crazy the deal is that they offer you. If you go to liquiddeath.com slash Stevo, free shipping on all of your orders of water and or merch. Their merch is hilarious. It's awesome. And water's pretty heavy. So for them to give you free shipping is ridiculous. You got to try these flavors you got to support this company. So one more time, go to liquiddeath.com slash Stevo. Free shipping on all of your orders of water and merch. And now, let's get into it. Okay. Wendy, Wendy, Wendy. Whoa, whoa, whoa. There we are. There you go, good girl. All right. All right so we, uh, we're recording. We can dive. Okay, good. I've got little things for you here. I love it. Is that in the camera? Or that's how uh, it, it is not. That is that is off camera. Okay, so we'll, we'll we'll get right to it. Ladies and gentlemen, Bruce Buffer. Ladies and gentlemen, Steve-O! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man, thank you so much for doing this. Oh, it's my pleasure, Steve-O. Come on, we've been trying to get this together for how long? It's been a while. Yeah. It's been a while. And now we, it's time, right? Yeah, we. it is time. We uh, we did your podcast a while back. Yep. And um, that's the It's Time podcast? The It's Time podcast. It's on YouTube and all the, you know, Spotify everywhere you can see podcasts. Yeah, and th that, that was a blast. While, while we were recording your podcast... I floated the idea of you announcing me and my fiance at our wedding. Right. And you just said, dude, easy, done, I'm there. Done. done. Epic. Done. <laughs> I, I, I love that so much, man. Not even quite, your wish is my command, you know, that's the way it goes. Yeah. I love doing wedding videos, because like, um, you know, my brucebuffer.com site, I get, I probably do five weddings a week sometimes. Wow. Except when COVID had died out, Obviously, people can have their weddings, and then all of a sudden it picked up, and now the weddings are flowing, and birthdays, birth of babies, which is one of my favorites, you know, coming out now, you know, whatever. Yeah. It's all good. Yeah, it's, it's crazy. Um, we, we were uh, watching various interviews that you've done, uh -huh. and man, is it fascinating. The, the, the thing that I just thought was 
most interesting is all these businesses that that you've been involved in and yeah. and it, is it right that you you own telemarketing companies yeah when i was uh when i cut my teeth i went to college and on the job board it said earn 350 to 450 a week uh selling over the phone and i had a kind of a gift to gab as a kid right and I went in and they said, um, yeah, it's office supplies. We need you here at five o'clock. I go five o'clock in the afternoon. They go, no, five o'clock in the morning. And I lived in Malibu and I had to get up at like four to get there at five. And we called the East Coast all the way back. And um, I was, I became kind of the wolf of LA. I mean, I didn't cheat people like he did in the movie. I sold office supplies, paper and toner. But it turned into a big business. I started my first company in 19. And when I did, I left and 70% uh, of the sales force came with me because I would close their sales and make them a ton of money. The people I worked for got really mad at me and sued me for a million dollars when I was 18. Now, this is back in 1977, 78, right? Wow. And um, that, that was ridiculous, scared the hell out of me. I never was involved in kind of a business setup like that. So long story cut short, um, I wound up going back to work for them. They made me a partner. They paid me more money and all the salespeople came back. And then eventually uh, I started and ran different telemarketing companies. I had export-import companies. I ran collectible gun shows did motivational, you know, speeches even in my 20s, you know, around. And I started cutting my teeth. And I, I spent time just being an entrepreneur, as I've always been my whole life, and I still do today. But then something really crazy happened, as you know. Um, my life took a strange turn, an amazing turn, an exciting turn, when suddenly in the late 80s, I noticed um, this man announcing the boxing, when Mike Tyson made boxing really, really popular again. And it was a water cooler conversation on a Monday, like the UFC is. And here comes this debonair James Bond looking individual. And I thought, wow, this guy's got it, got it together. You know, this guy looks like the model. He's traveling yeah. the world, meeting amazing people and doing what he does. And with the let's get ready to rumble. But then they put his name on the screen and it said buffer. And I'm like, whoa, you know, cause I looked in every phone book. We didn't have the internet back when I was in telemarketing. Right. And I saw every phone book in the United States. And just as a normal habit, you look up in the white pages to see if your name is there, right? Right. Never saw it. So I went through like six months of calling Don King's offices, Bob Arum, wondering who this guy is. And lo and behold, long story cut short, it was my long lost half brother. My dad never told me because um, he was married to my mom for like 57 years before he passed. And, uh, you know, together, 57 years, married like 50 plus. And he never told me that when he was like 20 years old, before he went overseas in World War II to do his duty, he married a woman, and they were married for nine months. He came back, a divorce ensued, but a son was born. Yeah. And it turned out to be Michael. And Michael was raised by foster parents, had a leave it to beaver lifestyle. Uh, his mother passed away when he was six. And it was just one of those things, Steve-O, you know? And then later on in life, uh, we all came together. My dad contacted him. They got together for lunch. And uh, they got together long famously. Then we all met. I was basically about in the area of 30. Michael was like 43. And then four years later, even though I was making great money, I had a beach house, living the life of Charlie Sheen, two and a half men, minus the alcoholism, you know? <laughs> and, um, you know, just enjoying my life. And I was making, like I said, I was making tremendous money. I had nothing to worry about, but I was burned out, okay? I, I didn't, I, I was waking up every morning, and instead of going, it's time to have a great day, I was like, oh, sh shit, I gotta go to work, you know? I, I right. lost my passion and my, my want to do what I was doing. I was just in it for the paycheck. And I'm just not that kind of guy. You know, I am, but I'm not. I'll cash it on a Monday before anybody gets to the bank. But I'm not all about the paycheck. I'm about loving what I do, like you, right? Sure. So um, he never trademarked that phrase or did anything with it. And I went to a big fight of Andrew Holyfield and Riddick Bowe won. I think it was November 16th, 1992, if I'm not mistaken. 
And I went back to my room in Vegas because that night when I watched Hulk Hogan and Jack Nicholson and everybody jumping out of their chairs and going crazy when Michael went into his rumble, I'm like, something's here. He's got to trademark this phrase. I mean, he hadn't, made, he hadn't even made a hat or a T-shirt, right? And I went and I, I incessantly wrote three pages of notes nonstop down on a piece of paper, you know, put them on the NBA court, football field, uh, TV, film, make cartoons, make video games, do all this. And I said to Michael in a, in a meeting, in so many words, I said, listen, I want to make you richer and more famous than you ever dreamed. And I want to put this phrase on the tip of everybody's tongue as part of American culture beyond what you're already doing in boxing. We'll keep that as the base and I'll build everything out of that. But to do that, I need to be your business partner. If I make a video game, we're, you know, we're partners. But as your manager, whatever managers get, I need to be your manager. I need to direct your career. And uh, it was probably the best poker hand I ever played. Aside from my way I got in the UFC, that was the second best poker hand uh, I ever yeah. played. <laughs> and with that being said, we got together and um, he had trademarked the phrase, but not properly. It could have been stolen from him the way he did it, you know, because it, it needed to be traded, trademarked in different classes, as I'm sure you understand. Right. And I uh, did all that. And within uh, a year, I had the first product out. I used to go to these conventions, you know, with uh, toy manufacturers and I you spend $15 a promo kit at Kinko's putting everything together you know it's it was harder back then we didn't have what we have today right and I'd be walking with all these promo kits under my arm and hi how are you I'm Bruce Buffer you know Michael Buffer's manager let's get ready to rumble it would look great on your product you need to make this you need to make this blah 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 deaf ears deaf ears deaf ears boom talking keychain talking mug other products came out but our big hit was in 99 we came out uh, as one of the first games on the Dreamcast video machine if you remember that one and i created the ready to rumble uh boxing video game with midway wow that was our we sold like three and a half four million games and this is back when they made maybe 350 games a year now they make thousands a year mm -hmm. right and when dreamcast came out um between my game the other nine games released in the dreamcast it did 97 point something million in sales in 24 hours and at that time made the cover of variety or entertainment weekly i forget which it was saying uh, Dreamcast and games make make entertainment sales history. In that 24-hour period, I can honestly say we were part, at that time, historically, of the most sales in the entertainment industry ever done in 24 hours. Wow. As being part of that, that group of stuff that came out on the Dreamcast. So I take a lot of pride in that. I mean, obviously, Call of Duty and these other games have smashed that figure. Sure. But it's just, you know, that kind of exciting thing, doing that and feeling that kind of passion for what you do and love just kept fueling my fire. And, and you still going. manage your brother. Still manage day. him to this day. I mean, Michael's the legendary, I say, greatest announcer of all time. We're totally different. I never wanted to be Frank Sinatra Jr. I didn't want to copy him. Everybody wanted to copy Michael. I told myself when I got in the UFC, if within three years I didn't create my own style and recognize for being Bruce Buffer, that I would quit and just continue to do what I do. I know. How, I mean, I'll always make money. There's, there's always ways to make money. Yeah. But I wanted to do what I was passionate about. And that's what the UFC is all about. What were you doing for? I mean, you were living in Malibu in the seventies. Yeah, I moved. Yeah, just you moved out there to surf, and it wasn't as, as expensive as it is now, or was it expensive? And you were kind of hustling it still. Well, yeah. Well, what happened is, is that my dad he never graduated high school, but I would say he's a borderline genius when you get down to it. He read incessantly, educated himself, and became sales manager and vice president of Fortune five hundred companies. And as a result, we traveled. We moved to Dallas. I was born in Oklahoma, which is kind of a drop-off. He says I was conceived in Vegas, dropped off in Oklahoma for nine months. Then we went to Dallas. <laughs> was there for like three years. Went to Philadelphia, where all my relatives are from. My mother and my brother's born. My dad was born in New York. Um, there for a number of years. Went back to Dallas for a couple. Back to Philly, you know. It was great. Learned how to fight in 
Texas, learned how to fight better in Philly. And, and then as a young kid at, at 14, 15, he says, well, we're moving to Malibu, right? I felt like the Beverly Hillbillies, you know, like we're moving uh-huh. to Beverly Hills, right? But we were middle class. We weren't rich by mm-hmm. any standards. And we lived in Trancas Canyon out there. And all the rich people, all the movie stars lived at the beach. And Steve McQueen was a, was a very good friend of mine for the last six years of his life. I oh, wow. surfed almost every day in front of his house. Wow. Truly was Mr. Cool. No question. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I, I did the life of Baywatch, surfing, uh, met Chuck Norris's fighting partners. I was I was uh, studying judo in Philadelphia, um, got in a lot of fights and, you know, as a surfer, because surfers are very territorial. <laughs> yeah. And we trained martial arts. We surfed and we fought and loved life, you know. Fights in the water or on the beach? They would start sometimes in the water and they would, obviously you get out on the beach and it's all going to come <laughs> together right there. Try and being ground and pounded or ground and pounding somebody on the sand. Yeah. I, mean, yeah. I, knew, I knew what ground and pounding was before I ever did it on a mat. You know? Yeah. So it's um, kind of like, a, a, what's the uh, movie with Keanu Reeves? Point Break. Point Break. Yeah. I lived the life of Point Break, but I never robbed a bank. You know, it's right, kind of right, like right, that. Right. I mean, the Bodies of this world. I grew up around a ton of these guys, you know, it's just the beach party. Everything you saw in the movie, you know, we did. So great, man. Um, and uh, with, with the UFC, is uh, your first announcing job, the first fight you announced was 1996. Yeah, it was February 16th, 1996. It was in Bayamon, Puerto Rico. Uh, and I, again, this is a poker hand, okay? What I did was, is that I had Michael in the UFC, in UFC 6, 7, and Ultimate Ultimate. When the UFC came on the scene, my job as his manager was to get him in the biggest events happening in the world. Well, the UFC was the fastest growing pay-per-view at the time, and it was a spectacle. It's gone from spectacle to sport. It was blood sport back then. What style's the best? You guys know this, mm-hmm. right? So I got Michael into it, and then uh, when I got him in the first one in that time, which was in uh, uh, Casper, Wyoming, in, in UFC 6, they had him say, Robert Meyer was the owner at that time, had him say, uh, if it's not in the octagon, it's not real, right? Well, he was doing the WCW, which was huge. Mm-hmm. And, you know, wrestling is huge today. Sting, Hulk Hogan, all. But in those days, when Hulk Hogan hit you in the face 15 times, right, they wanted you to think it was real. And, you know, this is everything and all that goes with it. Well, you know, your face would be hamburger, okay? Because they're pulling, but they get hurt a lot. I have so much respect for sure. wrestlers. They go through so much, nothing but respect for professional wrestlers and all they do. They're hundreds of shows a year and being on the road. It's a tough job. Yeah. But I knew I was going to get a phone call. And lo and behold, that Monday I get a phone call. It's so it's, The call was something effective. What are you doing? You know, he announces for us, why do you have him in that? Because, you know, they didn't like it. Right. Right. I said, look, I signed a three fight deal. His contract allows him to do this the way it's written. It's not an issue. Let me have him finish three fights because obviously Michael loved the wrestling and this was so much and he was, they were make, paying him huge money. I got him a big payday in the UFC, but it would have been hard for him to continue with it. So he did his three and out. And then I went after him and said, look, you need a buffer in the octagon. Now, granted, I had not announced except one time. Hmm. We went to Kellogg, Michigan and did a small kickboxing show, right? And Michael and I were talking. Michael said, bring your tux, you know, cut your teeth, get up there and do one. So I went out and did one. And I'll never forget, after I announced the winner, the guy, the winner came up to me and said, thank you for announcing my name, Mr. Buffer, but I got to tell you, I've been waiting two months to hear your brother say my name. I disappointed <laughs> the guy because it wasn't Michael, it was me. But that's where I cut my teeth and I thought, you know, I really like this. I wouldn't mind traveling the world like James Bond, living this kind of lifestyle. So I went to the owner and I said, look, you need a buffer in the octagon. I've got media, and I did. I have the media contacts, okay? You don't. People are scared of you, right? 
This is still a spectacle. People are scared of this. I even talked to ESPN. They, ESPN back then didn't even like the name. The name was scary, Ultimate Fighting sure. Championship. Today, ESPN just paid you know, a billion or two dollars to have the TV rights. It's amazing how things change. So I said, in order for this to happen, I need to be the announcer. I need to grow with you as the announcer, and I will do everything I can to get you media contacts, which over time I did. I got them on Jay Leno, Jimmy Kimmel. You know, I would get all this stuff, and I didn't want any money for it. I never asked for a dime. I just did it because I loved what was happening. But it fell on deaf ears. Okay, and then I thought, how am I going to get into the UFC? So I got a videotape from a... A real kind of Neanderthalish great guy named Scott the Pitbull Ferrazzo, 6'1", 300 plus pounds, hands down to his ankles, you know, that kind of thing. Brutal fighter. And I sent it in to the owner and he said, okay, great, let him fight. Because that's the kind of guys they were looking for partially right. back then. And so they brought him down to buy him on Puerto Rico at UFC uh, 8. And uh, when that happened, you're allowed as his manager to fly down. I probably would have flew down with him anyway on my own ticket, but took advantage of that, put my tuxedo in the bag. When I got there, I said, Robert, I got my tuxedo in the bag. Give me a shot. Let me announce this. So he let me do the prelims, and that's the first time I ever announced in the octagon. And I look at it now, and it's kind of like, no, 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 you know? Everything has its evolutionary sure. process. You got to build a tool. So then I thought, okay, I did a halfway decent job, and I'm pushing, giving him the same pitch. I'll stop in their offices in New York, you know, take them out for drinks, whatever I could do to ask for the job. I come from the business. If you want something, you got to ask for it. Ain't that the truth, ladies and gentlemen? If you want something in life, you got to ask. And let me tell you, yesterday, my buddy Vinny says, man, I slept on the bed at Tight Box Packing. That's my warehouse in San Diego. Got the best night of sleep I've ever had. I've got to get one of those mattresses from helixsleep.com. I said, that's darn right you do, because it really is the best night's sleep you're ever going to get. And let me ask you, how old is your mattress? How riddled with dust mites and bed bugs is it? How disgusting is it? Is it time for a new mattress? Because because you can get the best one for you by going to helixsleep.com slash Stevo. You take this super simple two-minute quiz. They pair you up with the best mattress for you and or your partner. And you get up to $200 off any mattress on their site. Plus, when you get one of those mattresses, they give you two free pillows. I'm telling you. It's time to step up your sleep game. Just ask my buddy Vinny. These mattresses will not steer you wrong. So get on over to helixsleep.com slash Devo. Take the two-minute quiz. Enjoy the up to $200 off of any mattress they've got. And take those two free pillows because, man... They're the best pillows in the world. I got a whole closet of them. I love it. So get yourself that new mattress and let's get back to Mr. Buffer. Don't right. wait for things to happen. Make it happen, right? Sure. So um, it fell on deaf ears. They hired somebody else and they called me and said, oh, well, the announcer's uncle passed away. We need you in Alabama in two days, three days to uh, do UFC um, 10. And um, can you be there? I was in the hospital with my mom. She just had a very serious operation. My mom's, as our moms, are everything to me. Right. So she's in, she's like Talia Shire, Rocky. You know, do you remember when, when Rocky's wife, you know, she's right. having a problem. She doesn't want him to fight. And she goes into a coma and he's beside her, reading to her, everything. So 
I'm on the phone. I go, look, guys, I'm with my mom in the hospital. I got to call you back after she could hear what we were saying. And I hung it up and she looks at me and she goes, that's the call you've been waiting for, isn't it? And she literally did this. She goes, go. You gotta go. Right? <laughs> that's great. All I could hear was dun 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 dun. You know, <laughs> that's all was ringing in my ears, and it's like the whole montage is happening, and me getting ready for the show, and boom, I go down to Alabama, I announce the show. I think I do a, a fairly good job considering my my experience. Um, but no, they didn't hire me, right? So they went on to hire somebody else, and the guy was good voice, a little nervous in the service, shuffling, messed up a couple names, gave me enough fodder to call him up, and still keep saying, "I want this job. I want this job. I want this right. job." Then they called me six months later, give or take, and they said, listen, we're, gonna, we're doing a show with Warner Brothers called Friends. This was the second season of Friends. It was episode 23 or 27, I forget. John Favreau, Tank Abbott, Big John McCarthy are all on the show. This is the UFC is doing Friends? Friends. The Friends made a TV show called Friends. The ultimate, it was the ultimate champion. And it was John Favreau was Monica's boyfriend, and he was an, he was a eccentric multimillionaire. So it was kind of a one-off on one episode. It was a one-off on one episode. Okay. But it focused all around the UFC, and so they wanted a voiceover announcer initially, and then they said um, they called me and they said, "Listen, they want the real announcer, so they're going to come down and pick up tape and audio of you." And Warner Brothers came down, sent a runner down. You know how this thing goes. The runner comes down at two. I get a call at five. Be on the set tomorrow morning at six. Rehearse all day. You're co-starring on Friends, the biggest comedy on TV. Right. Well, that gave me more fodder to give him a call. So I called the owner. I said, are you going to be on the set? I said, we got to meet at lunch. Right. So I'm rehearsing. I meet him at lunch. I said, look, Robert, this is the biggest comedy on TV. This is the biggest PR push UFC's ever had. I'm co-starring as myself as the announcer. It's time to make a decision. I feel like a girl waiting to be asked to the prom, and nobody's asked me to the prom, and I'm going to ask you one more time. I want to be your announcer. I want to grow with you. I will help you build this sport. I will help you build this event. I'll do everything in my power outside of being an announcer, and believe me, there's no better workhorse you're going to get than me to get this done, but I want to grow as the announcer to get this done, and we'll grow together. Best poker hand I ever played in my life, Steve-O. Best poker hand I ever yeah. played. And you said, this is the last time I'm ever going to ask. The last time. And it would have been. I would never would have asked him again. A year and a half. Yeah. Of trying to get this job. So, boom, there we go. I've done every show since then until about 10 or so years ago. I don't know exactly. Um, they brought in a second announcer because there's 42 shows a year. Right. It gets hard to do every show. Uh, his name is Joe Martinez. Of course. He does an excellent job. It's all good, you know, and um, he represents the sport well, but you know what? That's my octagon. It okay? really is. <laughs> I walk around with the USC on my chest like Superman, and yep. I'm so proud of it, and I'm very humble about it because it's all about the fans and the fighters. The show is not about me, but you've been there. I will throw every ounce of passion and energy. I'm probably going to die in the octagon. I'm probably going to go, <laughs> it's tough. Right down, and that, I couldn't think of a better way to go, to be honest with you. Either that or hit by a great white shark when I'm surfing, you know, that kind of yeah. thing. Yeah, so you're still surfing. Once, not as much as I used to. You yeah. know, it's uh, the big waves and all. I got no ACL on my left uh, knee. Oof, the cartilage yeah. is going down in the shoulders. So I got to be a little careful that the, the uh, heavy spots that I've gotten myself into surfing North Shore Hawaii and a lot of places I've surfed in my life. Right. But I'm still an athlete. I still train every day. Still, yeah, I'll, I'll, comp I'll go at it with anybody you want. It's unbelievable. Um, when uh, when you do the UFC, con how long is your contract for? Uh, usually when they, you know, contracts can be, usually I like signing like, you know, a five-year contract, three-year contract, because, you know, you're always looking forward to the renewal. 
Right. right. I mean, I got to believe it. The way that it's grown over the last, what, five years even. Like, uh, It's it, really the last, since Dana White and the Pertitas took it over, when we got on Spike and that great fight they had with Stephen Bonner and Forrest Griffin, yeah. where the ratings went from, for people, if you understand what ratings are on TV, they went from a five share to something like a 12 plus share by the time the main event came on. Spike was brand new. And I honestly can say, I mean, I feel it, that we made Spike and Spike made us. And that was, the, that was the key launching pad. That was the ultimate fighter reality show. The reality show. They were millions of dollars in the hole. The story goes that uh, Lorenzo Fertitta called Dana and said it's time to sell it. You know, they're like 44 million or some crazy amount in the hole. And Dana got an offer. And then, uh, however it came down, the Fertitas and Dana and everybody rolling the bankroll decided to roll millions of dollars on a TV show called The Ultimate Fighter, which turned out to be a huge hit. Big time. Big time. And that... Don't hold that. Oh. That, yeah, you know, you can... Sorry to... Sorry to no, it's I've been okay. Trying to, you've been seeing me squirm around. Just hold it like that. When you hold it like that, I'm getting static in the thing. Okay. Yeah, that's... Whew, I've... Sorry to cut you guys off. No, I was, it's you okay. You see me sweating over here. I've been trying to figure out what the noise so, is. And we'll be able to disable this one, so that's not going to happen on this. It's not doing it now. Okay, good. And and, and we're not record. This is recording onto its own track, so great. So don't worry. <laughs> a, a dripping sweat. Uh, Technical difficulties, folks. Yeah, okay. sorry about that. Has that ever happened in the UFC, like when you're announcing, or what do you what do you do when there's technical difficulties? Uh, you know what? Like I'm sure that you can attest to. You know, when you're performing and something happens, even if you screw up. If you know, in my case, if I said the wrong name, which I can count on my hands, thankfully, you know the major screw ups I've had over 28 years come February. Whoa. Um, you just got to roll through it. You got one time. I was looking. I was in Brazil. And sorry to take away from what we were talking about before, but I was in Brazil and I was looking at Mario Yamasaki, who's a Brazilian uh, gentleman. And I'm looking at him, I go, and your, and your referee in charge of the octagon is Herb Dean. And while I'm saying it, I'm going like, Herb Dean. I know I'm saying it wrong, you know, but I just let it fly, go out. That's Yamasaki, the controversial judge who uh, lets certain fights go on a little no, too long. No, that was Steve Mazagati. Ah, yeah. okay. Yeah. Yamasaki was another. Got it. Thank Every you referee's the, had their own. But listen, this is one of the hardest jobs. Thank you for correcting me. Has Mark Goddard ever had one? No, I think every there might be question marks at times. Was it a KO? Was it right to stop? But you right. know, the beauty of the UFC is in boxing. At one point, there were like five or more deaths a year. Okay, there's never been a death in the UFC. Correct. Yeah. There's been two, maybe three deaths. I'm sorry to say, in the sport of mixed martial arts, where a poor medical or a Russian situation that uh, event that happened in the UFC, a lot of broken egos, a lot of broken bones, a lot of torn ligaments, but never, um, never a death. Not on my shift, and I hope it never happens. That's because the the lighter gloves and the fewer rounds. Well. That's true, but also, you know, in boxing, the boxing glove was made to protect the hand, Correct. not the head. Right. And when you're getting hit with the 12-ounce pillow, or you can refer to her, the 12-ounce glove, 14-ounce, 8-ounce, whatever, remember, these guys have lost, and women have lost so much weight, right, the day before, their brain, cranium areas are not full of fluid, you know, whatever the situation, now a day later, they're going in, taking that punishment, but it's not so much the fight, it's the sparring and everything that goes on leading up to the fight. It's a lot of head trauma in boxing. Yeah, and there's a lot of head trauma now in UFC, but uh, I think as a rule and the way the, the way the refs work, it's a safer sport if you can say that. Although to most people, it looks much more brutal. Right. You're dealing with forty plus weapons versus the two Marcus of Queensbury left and right hand. 
Right. I mean, these, these men and women are super men and women. I mean, they can come back at you with anything you throw at them. That's superhero stuff. Right. I have a theory that uh, the the UFC is safer because of the gloves. And I, I compare the UFC gloves to boxing gloves and the analogy being the old school leather football helmet to the new football helmet. Guys weren't leading with their head when they had no. a little bit of piece of leather on no. their head. So you didn't have CT back then. Yeah. Now you've got this humongous football, modern football helmet where you can essentially crash your head with impunity. And so people are crashing their heads so many times that, and that's what the, the boxing glove does. It, it allows you to, to throw your hands with impunity and you're... Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and remember the brain is rattling inside. Right. Okay, it's tough. It's crazy. People talk about concussions. I mean, you know, when I was kickboxing heavily and all, and I was going to try to go for one pro fight just to say I had it, but I got concussed twice during my training. And the doctor looked at me and he said, and I, I was slurring my speech, the headaches. I mean, I was having all the symptoms when I got this last concussion. I'm sure I had many concussions before from, you know, being slapped by big waves and also, you know, from fighting and stuff. Because I think whenever your head gets rocked, to me, that's a concussion. Yeah. To be honest. But then you're diagnosed with the concussion and he says, stop. He goes, if you continue this, then you may have a problem in your 40s. I think the word concussion breaks down to uh, Latin um, for head hit. If that's the case, it stands the reason. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like, concu- like percussion is like, uh, you know, the concussion is hit and I think con is head. That's interesting. Yeah. So anytime, you, anytime you hit your head, it's a concussion. Yeah, so you, you grew up fighting a lot, and I, and I heard a, a podcast. The elevator fight? <laughs> not the elevator fight. No, not the elevator fight, but there's another fight that you got into, and you're and, and what struck me about that, you're like, listen, when you're in a fight, you're going to want to stay as close as you can to Chuck Liddell, and I'm like. Oh, that one, yeah. But, but I'm like, you've been in so many fights to where, like, you know, you know, what you want to do when you're in a fight, like, you know you got to stay close to Chuck Liddell, or you got to do this and that, I'm like. What kind of life? You've lived a, a pretty crazy life. You're, you know, the most interesting man in the world. Oh, well, thank you. I appreciate that. I'm not trying to act like a tough guy. I'm not, you know, no, everybody's not tough in their own right. We all go through situations. But listen, my dad was one of the toughest men, if not the toughest man I ever know. He got me in more fights and introduced me to more girls than any best friend I ever had in my life. Okay? <laughs> I could go into story upon story upon story. He was making me tough from five. He was a Marine drill instructor, served World War mm. II. Korea, hand-to-hand combat, the whole bit. He was teaching me fighting at five years old before I went to school in Philadelphia, preparing me for what was going to happen. As an example, he told me, if a guy comes up behind you and grabs you from behind, pick up your foot and stomp him right on the, show me right on the foot. He goes, pick up your foot and stomp him right on his foot as hard as you can, right? Lo and behold, weeks, a few weeks into going to school, I got, you know, called jumped or whatever by the local young gang or whatever it was. Guy comes up behind me, wraps his arms around me, and they're going to do whatever, take my lunch money. And I stomped that guy's foot and he cried like a baby. And I thought to myself, I'm going to listen to everything my dad tells me from now on, you know, wow, that kind of thing. Uh, here's the thing, you know, there's certain rules about fighting. Obviously you never want to get in a fight. I've seen people hurt if not killed in the street. Mm. You know, it can happen so quick. You don't want to, you want to avoid it at all costs. You're in a bar fight. First thing you do, I've been in a big fight on an after party at the UFC, all hell breaks loose. You get the wall right behind you because you only have to pay attention to three areas, not the one behind you. You never know when the <laughs> bottle or anything's going to hit you in the back of the head. Right. And that was a very funny night. One time, I remember one fighter turned around. He was going to pop me, and he goes, oh, sorry, Bruce, and then he runs back into the fight. You know, one of those crazy situations. Um, I just don't take any shit. 
okay? I mean, you stand up for what you believe. You put your hands on me. I, w I never want to cause a fight, but, you know, it's my loved one, my mom, whatever. Nowadays, I walk away, you know, mm. unless you yeah. push it. Um, but I'm 65 years old. There's no reason for me to Wow. Be That's so crazy, yeah. man. All natural. Yay. <laughs> what, 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 what's your workout routine? What do you do? You said you work out every day. What do you do? You um, look fantastic. I, thank you. I appreciate that. Uh, listen, it's 75% what you eat and 25% how you train, right? And as far as working out, staying flexible, um, cardio, weights, circuit training, you know, cardio, 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 right? Um, core strength, everything, just all around. I mean, I do, I have a great trainer, a guy named Tito Raymond. I can train on my own. I've got a gym in my house. Um, during COVID, I made sure I could put a really nice gym in the house to train, stay in shape. I don't go to the gym anymore. Uh, Gold's gym was my haven. Um, I train at his house or I train at my house and I train on the road and I could go into many different training methods, but you know, there's all good things to do. I mean, yoga moves are important. Stretching is important just overall, you know, just don't pump iron to get ice cream muscles. You want to work from the inside out. You want to work your microfibers and everything yeah. and, you know, really build good muscle from the inside out, core strength, the whole bit. And you're going to need it. I used to train to compete. Now I train to get older and, and longevity. I mean, they, you you fly just as much as we do. When you land, are you going straight to the airport, straight to the hotel, and working out and getting the blood that, flowing? Usually, my routine is that depending on when I land, is get to the gym and do cardio. Just get just get on the machine. Just get your blood flowing. It's not about the weights. I do plenty of weights and stuff when I'm home. On the road, stretching, cardio. Hmm. Wow. I'm sorry to cut you off. What oh, you? it's all good. I, you said um, that your your partner, Kristen. Mm -hmm. That's that's your partner professionally. Yes. Right. Uh, she's she's my partner in Buffer Enterprises, and she's been working with me now. We've known each other for, I would say, about 20, 29 years. Um, she's been working with me now for 25 of those years. Started out um, as my assistant, and Michael's my assistant. Grew into, you know, vice president of the company. Uh, we've built so many avenues of business together, which I, I have gifts for you here. I want to show you some stuff. I love it. Um, and she's my right arm, you know, she's, she's the greatest part together us and our home offices. We probably do more business than most small to mid-sized corporations. I love you know, it. We, we, and without her, I, I'm not saying I wouldn't be where I am today, but honestly, without her and the way we work, I probably wouldn't be where I am today. Let's just put it that way. Yeah. Invaluable. And you know, as a best friend and a partner, what more trust factor can you have in life? Man. I, I, I'm also godfather to her son. She married a great guy and, and, uh, Rupert, who you met, you know, I call him my nephew or whatever. So it, she, th she's also family. Yeah. You know, been there for me through thick and thin. I think it says so much about somebody when they have relationships, particularly professional relationships that endure for decades like yes. that. Yeah. Um, you know, we, uh, Scott Randolph here. We, we've been working together for nine years, close to a decade. Coming up on a decade. Nine years, wow. Mm -hmm. See, that's a big that's a big move itself. And that's I, awesome. I would say the same exact thing. You know, like the the avenues of business that we've created together. Uh, it, it's it's wild. We're absolutely a, a, a little corporation in our own right. That's awesome. And uh, best friends, yep. partners. But it's great because you both share passion. You both love what you do. Yeah. And I'll say it about you guys too. Listen, I know you do well, right? <clears throat> it's not always about the paycheck. You're living a lifestyle. For sure. Yeah. I don't even know, uh, what, you know, I, I don't even know. 
if there, if there's some kind of amount of money or like I don't even do anything with with money. You know, I, I, I the more money you make, the more you work. <laughs> you know, like there's nothing you don't. A lot of people, yeah. the more money they make, the more they want. You know, it, it goes in all different areas, but whatever. You know, right? Yeah, I just I, I think about it too. Like, what if uh, what if at some point, you know, I I had so much money and. Like, and, and I didn't work. Like, that sounds miserable to me. I'm like a shark. I got to keep moving. That's doggone right. You got to keep moving. And you got to stay on top of your diet. Now I'm going to come clean. I don't always have the best diet, which is why I'm so grateful for Athletic Greens, AG1. This is the most delicious and comprehensive and convenient daily nutrition out there come on one little scoop in a pint of water in the morning you're hydrated you're ready to go you've filled in the gaps in your diet and let me tell you i got some gaps in my diet okay this stuff is loaded with 75 different vitamins minerals whole food sourced superfoods adaptogens probiotics this stuff is not only as healthy as it could possibly be, it's also delicious. It's great for your gut health, for your cognitive abilities, for just your nutrition. I mean, honestly, it's uh, it sets you up for the day. And what a delicious way to start your day. So go to athleticgreens.com slash Stevo. And for your first order, you're going to get five free comprehensive convenient nutrition packs a daily travel pack five of them and an entire year's supply of immune boosting vitamin d it's because they love the listeners of the wild ride podcast check this stuff out go to athleticgreens.com slash stevo jump on that deal now let's get back to the buff yeah, you know, and um, people say, when are you going to retire? When are you do this? My God, when you talk about the UFC, the one of many avenues of work I have, it's a, as people say, it's like the greatest job in the world. I mean, right. you're traveling the world like James Bond, you know, you, whatever, you're just going and doing your thing and captivating, hopefully captivating, you know, 15, 20, 50,000 people in the audience watching my favorite sport. I mean, I'm so into fighting and you know, being respected by the fighters and, and you know, and again, the, the great fans, which also fuel it for me too, the, the UFC fans, mixed martial art fans are probably the or some of the greatest sports fans in the world, as loyal as they are. So who's not going to enjoy that? Right. Why would I want to give that up? You've told me that you just never get bored. Never um, get bored. And the moment that my passion wanes, right it's not there then hey it's time for me to retire i don't want i'm not going to phone this in yeah. i'm not going to phone it in. right i won't do it i just don't i don't want to just do it for a great seat at a fight and a paycheck i want to do it because i love it mm -hmm. when you're traveling and you guys know this when you're traveling the way we do and and when as i do internationally i'm sure you do too people you might think it's all great and everything but the novelty wears off after a while it's yeah. not it's a lot of work it's a grind it's a grind yeah, yeah it is is there a certain level of excitement? Do you notice the difference between like these arenas that you're doing and then if you go to Australia or New Zealand, you do a stadium or, I mean, is there, what, what's the biggest crowd you've ever announced for? Uh, I've announced in front of uh, 55,000 people 55. in Toronto, on uh, Canada, uh, where I went out and um, 
a week before I was at a poker tournament, I'm a big poker player. And look, I happily say I've been world ranked and you know done very well in tournaments and stuff. I even have a poker room in my house for games and stuff like that. Um, Molly's games. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, but uh, with that being said, the week before I was at a tournament and I got up during the break and I took a walk and my ankle rolled and a dip in the carpet, right? Two day tournament. Okay, I made the second day. I woke up the next morning, my ankle swollen, it's red, it's full of blood. I ran to the hospital, had the blood pulled out, got a pair of crutches, went back to the tournament, got third place, won 30 grand, you know, go home. But I'm like, oh my God, I gotta be in Toronto in, in six days. I can't walk. I wasn't able to walk until Thursday on my own feet, right? Then I got on the plane on Friday, went to Toronto. I get in the octagon that night for the biggest show in history. Sold out in 20 minutes, 55,000 55, people, 000. right? Wow. George St. Pierre and Jake Shields, the main event, all through the show, my adrenaline got together. I did everything I do. I turned, I, you know, I do all the stuff I do, jump the whole bit. And then I go to George St. Pierre and I'm like, George, rush. And then George always <laughs> walks out, right? And I always bunny hop back like a foot and a half or two. As I say, Pierre, right? So here's the thing. I'm not even thinking. I bunny hop back. The bad ankle wobbled. My knee exploded. I severed my ACL. Just as I was announcing Pierre, so it was like, George Rush, Pierre! You know, it's like, oh my God, it was in pain. And I saw the video and you can see me like hopping to Herb Dean or whoever the, ref I think it was yeah. Herb, you know, put the microphone underneath and you see me hop out on one leg and uh, big John McCarthy comes up to me because I think you just blew your ACL. And I did, right? So the funny thing is, uh, I was doing a movie, Here Comes the Boom, two weeks later. We had shows almost every week and about, it took about two to three months before I could schedule a two-week, three-week period where I could get my ACL replaced. So I, I had a special brace made and blazing with UFC, like from here to here, I would wear under my tuxedo pant. And I worked uh, for two or three months with, you know, basically no ACL. And um, then I went and got an operation on. And usually you need a month or two before you get on the road again. Well, in like three weeks, I was back on the road. You know, a little buffer light. But I got it done. And a guy named Dr. Elitrosh, who did Tom Brady's knee, right? Your hand. Your hand. Your hand. <laughs> I'm like that too. Um, who did Tom Brady's knee when he severed his ACL. So he did my knee. Now I'm in rehab. And who walks into rehab a week later but George St. Pierre? So I blew my ACL announcing him. He blew his ACL a month or so later in training, got operated on Elitrosh. We both wound up in rehab together. That's kind of crazy, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. He fought. You, you had to you had to tap out, and then he did the rest of his fight with a, with a torn ACL. Yeah. <laughs> and how crazy is that? You know, it speaks to adrenaline. No, it's crazy. Then there was another time. I've given two knees to the UFC. There was another time. Um, we had three fight nights in a row. You know, these are like eight hour days, right? Sure. So three full shows, three days in a row. It's never been done before. The night before, they had a lip sync contest. So they asked me what I do it. I thought they wanted me to host it, but they wanted me to do a lip sync, right? So, okay, I'm game for a little fun. So I did Rebel Yell by Billy Idol, right? But when Billy walks out, he always does a little jump. So I was on this flimsy type stage at the place we did it at. I walk out, I did a little jump. The stage kind of gave a little bit and my knee, I felt the same explosion I felt in this knee. So if you Google like Bruce Buffer blows knee at lip sync contest of all things, um, <laughs> You see me do a three-minute rendition of Rebel Yell, but my knee actually separated two or three times in the first 45 seconds. I could feel it, you know, pop twice, at least. And you see me fall down on the on the side, and I'm still doing the thing, right? And then I get up because there's a point where there's like a guitar solo, and I get up on the, you know, and I'm doing the guitar solo and the whole bit. So then I'm like, holy shit, I broke my. I don't curse that much, but holy shit, I broke my AC. I blew my ACL again. 
right? So I go to the doctor the next morning, get the MRI. Oh, you severed your ACL. You need to go take five days, rice, you know, rest, ice, all that stuff. I go, I can't do that. I've got to be in the octagon at two o'clock this afternoon. So I went in the octagon on one leg. I did it all on one leg until you see partially through the show, they brought me a brace and you see it on the outside of my leg. So I did three shows in a row on one leg. And you might say, well, why, why not listen to the doctor do that? I'm not fighting. These warriors are fighting. They're putting their blood, sweat, and tears on the line. Okay, I'm the announcer. I blew my ACL. All right. Okay, I mean, I'm, I'm not like a football player being carted off the field, but I got the same right. injury. I can go in there and do this. Mm. That's my dedication. That's my passion. And like Dana said, you'll have to shoot me to keep you out of the octagon. And quite <laughs> frankly, he's correct, and I hope I never get shot. So <laughs> right. there you go. Um, are, are there Vegas odds on whether or not you're going to jump? when when you say it's time maybe when i stopped jumping for a while because i never had this acl fixed right where i had this fixed i didn't have this fixed and there was a reason um my mother uh was had pneumonia and um you know she's everything to me and um her lung collapsed and i had to get her home in hospice and i didn't want to be wrapped up not being able to take care of my mom okay so that lasted for a while they told me she was going to die and um, I was going to Brazil the doctors called me and they said she was going to die that night or die in two weeks and they wanted to put morphine in her and I said don't you dare do that because she'll be dead in three or four days I, I knew enough about that to know that um, and then I got her home in home hospice and uh, they said the morphine's in the fridge if whatever hits the fan so I wanted to be there for my mom as God is my witness and everything else they called me two months later and they graduated my mother out of hospice the lung the doctor said would never come back came back you know, wow. she's 94 years old now, <laughs> beautiful, wow. smiling, and uh, I'm fine. I can live without my ACL. I got my mom, you know, so I don't play soccer and I don't surf big waves anymore. Otherwise, I jump now. I do all that stuff. Great. Yeah, I think because uh, I train. I train to do it. I was um, I think it was 282 and I was watching. I said, I said to whoever I was watching, is he going to jump? And, <laughs> <laughs> and there was a jump. They've taken, maybe not, I mean, I used to really go up. I would get yeah. like three, four feet of air, right? Yeah, I mean, a little yeah. hop. It it's a hop. hop. It's there. It creates, it's all <laughs> yeah. out there. I'm still being, I got to land with both feet. You know, I'm sick of rehab. I don't want any more yeah. rehab. It's, um, but there's not always even a hop. Sometimes there's there's no there's no hop. Well, I'll do it in different ways, but yeah. I'll create it and I'll create the excitement for it. Oh, yeah. Know? I'm not suggesting that you don't. I, no, yeah. no, no. I've got to do, I, I yeah. never know what I'm going to do till I do it. I don't rehearse. I don't go in the shower and go, you know, Chuck Liddell, Habib Magomedov, you know. Uh, they send us sound files and we, we know how to say the name, but I don't I don't rehearse anything. I write my cards. You notice I don't look a lot at my cards because um, I got it all in my head when I get in there. But when I feel the energy of the crowd, that's what gets me going. Mm -hmm. okay? That's where it all comes together. So that's when I, I'm ready to go. There's a rehearsal voice and there's the organic real yeah. voice. And I want to be organic, right. you know. It, is it? And to answer your question, yes, they used to say there have been like what what color ties are you gonna wear? Right. People would email, are you wearing a bow tie or a rig tie? Wow. And I'm not gonna answer because I know what they're doing. <laughs> and then I I saw one of the bets, you know, what a uh, bow tie or whatever, and I thought, oh, I'll put ten thousand on this right now. No maximum bet fifty bucks. <laughs> oh really? So, but yeah, they've done you know, what color shirt? You know, I guess I, the UK Sun wrote an article which cracked me up. Because I have this amazing tailor, uh, King and Bay, out of Toronto, Canada. And they make these one-of-a-kind Roger Carr silk jackets that I'll dress up for the shows and stuff. And they call me a fashionista, right? Which cracks me up. I mean, who am I kidding? I'm, you know, I think it's fair to say. 
Well, thank you. Bathing suit by day, tuxedo by night, man for all seasons, man for all reasons, whatever. <laughs> you know? I love it. Um, we heard at one point that there was uh, speculation that there was a, was it a curse if a fighter fist bumps you? <laughs> was, I do. Is I... that a, was, was If you really go down to it, well, first off, you know, uh, DC Cormier said, yeah, at one point that, but not now, if you look at it. And that's just, you know, perception is reality, okay? Right. First off, I never instigate the fist bump. That's uh -huh. the fighter coming to me. Right. Okay, I'll get in their space. They respect me enough to do that because I want to give them every sure. ounce I can to get them going. You know, they'll, they'll come to me. It's, 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 it's crazy, some of the things that happen. I love it. But I never instigate the fist bump. They do it. And sure, fighters have lost at fist bump. Me, but many, many, many have won. Right. I pay, I, I, I heard about that and then started paying attention to it. And, the, and clearly, for the last number of years, there's nothing to that. No, there's nothing to that. It is safe just... to fist bump the buff. Hell yeah. 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 Man, we were, we were recording one of these um, UFC watch party shows for uh, Fight Pass. And my buddy Chris Pontius from Jackass... He just, he's so naturally fucking funny. And out of nowhere, Pontius says, wow, is he aptly named. Bruce Buffer is ripped. <laughs> <laughs> well, you can't see that through the tuxedo, but I have my good days. <laughs> it's fantastic. Um, out of all the UFCs you've done, which UFC star has had the loudest cheer for when they walk out to the octagon? You know, it's, it's like asking me what the greatest fight, the greatest fighter. It's so hard because... Obviously, you're in Ireland, and I would say Conor McGregor walking out, you know, in Ireland. Some or... of the, Ireland, you can just be anybody and walk out, and they go crazy. They just love fights. They yeah. love fights in the UK. But Conor McGregor definitely gets, at his heyday, a huge, huge pop. George St. Pierre in Canada, huge, huge pop. The Brazilian greats that have fought in Brazil, you know, every arena, every city has its own flavor but they love their fighters yeah. you know it's really hard to pinpoint the one that is the biggest i mean right now you have patty pimbla coming out you know, <clears throat> yeah people people love patty it's he, crazy the the uh, were, were you there for cheeto vera versus dominic cruz in san diego no i was not i did not do that show that, that was a joke yeah um because we were there and i think that the fight had just ended but they were about to um, announce the you know the the results. Patty Pimblett comes out into the into the octagon. He's just standing in the corner of the arena. Mm -hmm. He's not on the jumbotron. There's activity going on inside the octagon. The entire arena starts chanting, "Oh, Patty yeah. the Bat!" I mean, when, that's not him in Liverpool. That's him in San Diego. In San Diego, you know, there there's certain fighters, certain entertainers that have what we call, what I call, the it factor. Yeah. Right? I mean, the Conor McGregor's, the Ronda Rousey's, the Patty Pimlet's, with respect to all the great fighters, men and women, that are in, that walk in to put their blood, sweat, and tears on the line. But certain people have a larger organic marketing power in the yeah. way they carry themselves. You know, and um, that's what happens. It comes along. I know in Brazil, you know, they're so dedicated. Like when we go to Rio in January, there'll probably be anywhere from five to 10,000 people at the weigh-in. And then when hmm. I walk out before the first fight even happens, the arena's gonna easily be half or more full. And me, I'm not the fighter. The show's not about me. I walk out, they go out of their minds. I have yeah. to go in the <laughs> octagon and, you know, polite I want to go in the octagon to politely bow. Hey, the show's about to begin, you know? Right. It's like the gladiator, you know, are you not entertained? I mean, let's get this thing going. 
what do they say in in Brazil? They chant like "You're gonna die." <laughs> oh God, I'm not sure about that one. <laughs> it, it's, it's something. It's something that they chant in Portuguese, and it translates to something like. Uh, they just say it forever. The, 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 forget that man. The person who's fighting the Brazilian fighter. They, they yeah, say yeah that? like uh, they're, they're oh like, yeah if it's a non-brazilian fighter they maybe have you know what i can answer that question when i get back in january because I'll, I'll i'll get that one <laughs> figured out for you but yeah. i remember in about 2003 because i didn't start off saying the trademark it's time you know which i have trademarked and all um i started saying that later on because i was never phrase driven to right. me it was not what i say it's how i'm going to say it i wanted to work on my style which i explained earlier but when i did it's time um because I felt, hey, the fans have been here for five, six hours. The fighters been training for eight to ten weeks. I've been announcing now that you know this whole show it comes culminates into this main event. It's time. This is what it all yeah. comes down to. This <laughs> is truly the moment we've all been waiting for. It's unbelievable. And it comes from the morning every day. I would wake up and slap my face and say, "It's time to have a great day." That's where that all comes from. Yeah. So, my own little thing. Um, I'll give you a thousand dollars if by the time the end of this interview you can come up with one line that I can't put its timer in front or behind and make work. And don't even try because you're not going <laughs> to. So, but I'll do it. I'll give you. I'll give you a thousand bucks before we leave today. But um, not like you need it, Steve. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Steve. Steve. Uh, he, he. He. What do you got? You do it every every fight. You. Oh, my my girl and I. It's love. ritual. Oh, really? We you scream. Can, can you like, can you do it for us now? It's time. I love it. I love it. No, but you say the whole thing. Yeah, we like we, we like to. That's just, what we, we get so into it. We love it so much. Yeah, I'm, I'm honored by that. I'm humbly honored. I thank you so much. That makes everything worthwhile to me, um, in respect to that job, that beautiful job I have and performing. But um, what I was going to tell you in 2003, when I was in Brazil, I did it, and I don't, I don't hear the audience, and you, you'll understand this. When I'm in there doing my thing, I'm in the fighter's eyes. Okay, this is about right. me and the fighter. It's about the fighter right now, right? I block everything out. I'm there for them, right? So I walk out of the octagon and I heard a little something and then uh, Stitch Duran, the great uh, cut man, comes up to me and goes, Buff, did you hear that? I go, what? He goes, everybody in the arena repeated it with you and held it with you as long as possible. That's great. Now I hear, this is the moment you've all been waiting for. And right. now, you know, this is the main event. Of the, and it's all, it's so, <laughs> it, it's such a compliment. It's like, it's a high that I can have that effect and people enjoy that. And I say this very humbly, but it makes everything work but at that point in brazil that's when i knew its time was taken off yeah for sure let, let, let's see your stuff that you've got here well i'll preface by saying i've been a marketer my whole life and i come from the school of don't shoot till you see the whites of their eyes because i could i've had product and represented products in the past but now it's time and i've been working on these for two years but here's i'm going to show you what i'm about to come out with but right now this is my bourbon there you go puncher's chance bourbon right you know one punch can change your life, the whole bit. This is the sweet nectar of the bourbon gods. I've won six gold medals. Uh, bourbon Spectator just called the top five best sipping bourbon in America at its price range. Wow. I came out with a 12-year reserve. I just came out with the Left Cross, a 14-year reserve. I have a single-barrel <laughs> version coming out. This is 90 proof. I have a barrel version that's 116 proof. Anyway, there's, you can go to puncherschancebourbon.com and see everything, order it, but it's in stores all over the United States. But this is one of the newest, fastest growing, highest rated bourbons in America. I'm really proud. I'm gonna show Connor how to do it the proper way. <laughs> Connor, I'm sorry, I gotta bust your balls a little bit. So, you know, we're all, there's room for everybody. Success breeds competition and competition breeds success. I yep. never worry about any of that. But I'm bringing this for you. Okay. Okay. How long did that take you to make? 
We started on this roughly two and a half years ago. Um, I was approached by a tequila company and a cachaça rum company out of Brazil, mm -hmm. and I didn't like the business acumen. I didn't like the product. It didn't taste good, and I will not represent anything unless I believe in it. So this it truly is amazing. It mixes well. I like it straight sipping, but it's it's awesome. The bottles cool. we have made in France, the gold medals we won were three for design of the bottle, three for taste, and uh, we're getting rave reviews on our 14-year reserve that came out, but. Very, very proud of that. Great business to be in. Cool. It works. Great. Candidly, we're both uh, sober nerds. <laughs> sober nerds? So we're, we're both sober sober guys. Oh, I know, I know that, but yeah, you're yeah. still getting the bottle. So oh, I love, love it, yeah. <laughs> we love it. Now, this I'd like you to open if you want, but I have, I'm coming out with my line of toiletries, and this is the It's Time Cologne. Oh, I love that. And, and yeah. Scott, can you grab our toiletries back there? I believe we have a, a something for for Bruce right there. Sorry, Scott. Butt wipes. <laughs> oh, butt wipes! Jeez. Butt wipes for your butthole. Oh, Steve O's <laughs> butt wipes. Oh, that's cracks me up. Okay, Steve, I will think about you every time I go to the bathroom. You got it. This is great. I, uh, I, I it's time by Bruce Buffer Eau de Parfum. Fantastic. Okay, let me pop this open. I'll show you. I think it's a bottle. This is going to be, uh, it's already selling in Europe. That's going to be in 40 countries all around the world, along with a, a line of uh, toiletries that I have coming out, which is like body spray, moisturizer, all that stuff. So you can start off your morning. You can smell like buff. <laughs> and uh, or as I, oops, sorry, or as I always like to say, hashtag buff life. You know, that's my yeah. thing. Or Steve-O life. Wow, amazing. And mm. how long has this been? Uh... We, we just started in Europe uh, so the last couple months, and but it's going to be in America starting in February, March, uh, be for sale everywhere. Um, Dude, I'm, I'm gonna wear this all the time. Try to swim in it, pussy. <laughs> and women love it too, because it's, it's, it's got that subtle scent to it. It's very sensual. You like that? Yeah, where you want to do it. Yeah, you don't want to overdo it. Huh? <laughs> don't overdo it. No, but it's, it's hard to overdo that. All right. Man, I, I love it. I'm going to wear this all the time. Oh, you got that, I'm dude. getting a boner, dude. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, dude. And then, uh, and and then, then there'll be got... other things like, you know, soap on a rope. Oh, soap right? on a rope. It's time. I Moisturizer, love it. body wash, facial wash. <laughs> this is it's, great. It's all coming out. It's dude, all coming out. I am in. <laughs> and here's, I think you're going to like this. This is going to be... I'm so excited about this, okay? This is the most natural energy drink made. There's no taurine, no sugar, no anything. It's got wolfberry, it's got amino acids, vitamin Bs. This is something you can drink three, four cans of a day with no crash. A lot of the energy drinks have taurine <laughs> and stuff in them, which is not always the best thing for the body. But this is all natural. Even the man that has USADA, the test the fighters, he yeah. loves this. So this is my his time energy drink. And all along right. with this is going to be a series of nutritional products that are coming out too. So all it's this fantastic. is coming out in 2023. Man, it's going to be a now big Now we're making year. it a little sweeter than that version, but that's our initial one. I don't think it needs to be much sweeter than that. This is great. Yep. It's all there for you, babe. Bruce Buffer. Oh, man. Unbelievable. I, like, what, what a great time to, to catch you with all this fun new stuff coming out. 
Yeah, well, you know, like I said, in everything in business. Hey, Wendy. <laughs> there you go. Ooh. I love that. I love that you uh, you asked, "Is that Wendy?" When you saw her. Yeah. Has Beautiful. she been to a UFC? She hasn't been to the UFC fight. She's been to the Apex. The wow. Apex, yeah, but I don't think you bring a dog into the arenas. Yeah, she's never yet. been inside the arenas. But man, I've I've gone to Vegas and had the Fertitas put me up in Red Rock in these crazy suites. Oh, those suites they have Red Rock are awesome. Oh my yeah, god, they're so like, cool! Dude, I love that place. It's ridiculous. Yeah. And and when I show up, they've got bowls and beds and treats and everything for Wendy everything. with her name on it. Fertitas a class act. Dana's a class act. They're you know, they take time. good care. They take really good care. I knew when they bought the UFC, I got a call from the owner, Robert Myers. He goes, I got some good news and bad news. What's the bad news? Because I sold the UFC. Oh. What's the good news? He goes, well, they're keeping you and John, Big John McCarthy. Oh, I said, cool. Great. And then I went to dinner. I was at a boxing event in the Fertitas, and Dana took uh, John, me, and some others out. And I could see the passion in them. And they put Opus One on the table, and I go, I can't wait to work for this people. You know, <laughs> Opus One's one of the finest red wines you can drink. Just class act all the way. And yeah. it was just, it was, we were, om we were almost gone. We were going to be taken off the air. I mean, the sport was actually almost going to die. Yeah. You know, if it wasn't for them, Dana and the Fertitta brothers brought us back to life. If, if I heard you correctly, and if I understand the history, Dana and the Fertitas bought the UFC for $2 million They bought it for $2 million and sold it for $4.2 billion. Right. Had I, considering the <laughs> businessman that I like to think I am, um, one point share was 20000 when they bought it. I don't think they would have sold it. I actually thought back then of saying, hey, I'll give you fifty grand. Just give me one point because I really believe in this. And that one point was worth $42 million when they sold it. Wow. Yeah. Can you we had a matchmaker that actually did quite well from the sale, whatever his agreement was. He was gone like the next week. <laughs> he retired. Wow. Know? For sure. Can you think of a better CEO for the UFC than Dana White? I mean, no, you know, Dana is what I call a maverick, right? Walks to his own tune. Yep. Uh, the face of this, of this UFC, if not the face of the sport to a large extent with everything he's done, his passion. I mean, the man's worth God knows what, half billion more dollars. I mean, that's none of my business, but let's be real. He's worth every penny anybody could ever dream of. And he still busts his buns and his passion mm -hmm. every day developing, you know, the slap fight now or doing the contender series. The man doesn't stop. He's, he's incredible. And yeah, he'll stop incredible. and talk to you. And like, I'll, I'll sit next to him if we go to a UFC fight and he's like hitting my leg. Like yeah. we're like, we're buddies. And I'm just like, I, I admire that because he's just like that with everybody. Yeah. And you, you've got to appreciate that. You really have to Big appreciate time. that. Yeah. And, and to the point where you say the face of the whole sport, there's something I think is pretty telling that during my, my live comedy show, I have one section of it for this tour that I've been on where it's about me trying to get cauliflower ear. <laughs> and the bit starts out by me saying, I became buddies with the ultimate fighting legend, Chuck Liddell. Yeah. And I think about that and how significant it is. It's not that I, you know, that, that I'm doing that as a favor to the UFC. It's just that it's more, uh, it's it, it it's more resonant. It, it it connects more. It's more easily understood to say the ultimate fighting legend yeah. than, than if I were to say the MMA legend. Absolutely. The like Absolutely. the average person is not gonna compute MMA legend. But if I say the ultimate fighting legend, people know exactly what it is. And that means that the UFC is, in fact, bigger than MMA. Well, it's like, it's not, it's not uh, tissue, it's Kleenex. It's not a 
copy or it's a Xerox. Right. Okay? It's not MMA, it's UFC. I mean, people come up and they'll say, oh, well, my son is a UFC fighter. What's your son's name? Uh, with all respect, you never fought in the UFC. I mean, your son's a mixed martial artist. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so that, that, that's where all that comes right. in. You those know, are great is, examples. Yeah. Yeah, which is pretty incredible. Yeah. Definitely. You talk about comedy, okay? Let me tell you something about comedy. I have been going to the comedy store since 1977, I think it was, when it opened. Back when they had a Westwood comedy store, and David Letterman was the host and the doorman every night. Okay. Wow. I saw everybody from Robin Williams to Richard Pryor, to you name it, how they'll drop in. I go on and on and on. I saw Jim Carrey at 18, and I was so blown away. I said, this guy's going to be huge someday. What a rubber man, and as amazing as he was. Andrew Dice Clay, when he was sleeping on Mitzi Shore's couch. I love stand-up comedy. I'm a frustrated uh, stand-up comic to an extent. I can only tackle so many things in my life. Um, but great date night. It was my Friday date night. I mean, the comics definitely added a lot of flair to the date night, right? And it's just a great day, great dinner, the whole bit. So I started my comedy show, the It's Time um, Comedy <laughs> Night. And I had it for the first time at the Laugh Factory where I hosted it. You know, I had Tony Hinchcliffe. I had a bunch of different guys that you, that you would know and, and girls. And um, I would come out in between and do my bit and all. And um, I loved it. I was going to do it once a month. And the comedy store was going to let me start in the small room and build up to the big room. Uh -huh. And then COVID hit. Mm. Right? So I never, wow. I've never done another one. But I, it wasn't, again, that's not in any way about the money. I just think, what a great night. What a fun night. Sure. You know, I love stand-up comedy, Steve-O. Yeah. I, I love it. But my next thing that I, that I say after the Chuck Liddell, I say, and like most Ultimate Fighters, Chuck's ears appear to be highly allergic to his head. <laughs> mm -hmm. I, I always enjoy that. And, and speaking of the, the UFC fans, you were, you were saying how, how passionate they are. Mm -hmm. Like, most recently, we're, we're seeing evidence of how educated they right. are about fighting, about how, like, uh, it used to be a concern that the grappling was just kind of over their heads, and, they, yeah. you know, and now, like, now they're really, really uh, just demonstrating this highly educated understanding of what's going on in all the grappling transitions and it, it's it's amazing it's amazing and you know the grappling a lot of times people will not sit there and watch grappling for six hours they want to gotta get the stand-up and striking i remember when the petitas had one of the biggest shows ever 37 and a half and it was just grappling the whole night and no offense, but it wasn't the most exciting show. Right. Um, then they created the stand-up rule. If nothing, if, it, if they're dormant for like 30 seconds, stand them up, let them go at it, which actually made the whole sport even more exciting. But the beauty of it is that they are educating themselves. You know, you see uh, girls come, two and three girls alone without their boyfriend. Right. They, they know the moves, they know the fights. and across Right. The, it, that's, when you get that, you've got a captured and raptured audience. They're diehards. Mm -hmm. You know, they rare. live and breathe the UFC. It's awesome. Yeah, it's really, really awesome. It's great yeah. to have a first-class seat on this rocket ship going uphill. It's unbelievable. Um, I, l let me ask. Let me ask you this about um, you know people talk about open scoring, and I think everybody agrees open scoring would be a terrible idea because then you're going to have fighters going into third rounds just lazy. Um, no, nobody wants open scoring. No, no fans, anyways. Um, but what do you think about going into each round? if they showed the live odds on the screen and how the live odds fluctuated. The live odds of during, betting? Yeah. 
Uh, you know, they're doing that now anyway, so I don't think it would make any difference. They, they, they'd give you the, the who's the favorite. they give you the, at yeah. the beginning of the fight. Yeah. They don't always give you the the live odds at the beginning of the second and the third round or championship rounds if they apply. Probably part of that. I mean, I would have no problem with it, but I, I think it might involve maybe some of the uh, fighter scoring, call it legality, call, call it whatever. They don't want any influence on the judges. They don't want any right. influence on whatever. Um but considering they're showing the odds at the beginning of the fight, I don't think it would be an issue because the judges right. are not sitting there watching this on TV. Sometimes they do. On what, those are monitors. Yeah. Right. But that's not the actual, Broadcast. to my knowledge, it's not the actual show. Right. I, I think so. And sometimes they do. If it is the do. actual show, then they shouldn't do that. Sometimes they do uh, post that, you know, they, they'll put it on the screen, the, the live odds. Sometimes they'll say, the commentators will say it. I just am always fascinated by it. It makes the fight more interesting for me if I know what the odds are and if I know how the odds are changing. But you remember too, when, when in football and everything, when they set the odds and you hear that you know Brady is a five-point favorite, but then it goes in swings where suddenly he's a six-point favorite or a four-point favorite, that's because the betting is going one way or the other. Right. It's really not the reality of the situation. Okay. Okay, that's where that could sway that issue a little bit. All right, then, then uh, th th that's a fair point. Now, my, my last question. Um, you can ask more. <laughs> what, what do you think about if in the inspection area where they're, where they're checking the fighter's cup, the mouthpiece, they're putting the Vaseline on their face, um, if the, in the inspection area the fighter was standing on a scale so that you would know as the fighter enters the octagon for the fight what they weighed, how much weight they had put on since the weigh-in. I don't particularly care for that. Okay. Um, only because of the fact that it kind of takes away um, from the... Remember, a lot of the viewing eyes watching the TV are not educated like you are. They're watching knowing that it's a 155-pound lightweight division. It's a 205-pound light heavyweight division. And to think that a fighter came in, man or woman, and they, as many times do, they'll be 15, 20 pounds heavier the next night. It's an interesting thing, but right now my initial reaction is I'm torn on that. I don't know if that's right. I think let's just keep it lightweight, walk in. But there's many times I'm standing in the octagon with the referee and I go, that's a 155-pound man just walked in. I mean, you know, they'll walk in weighing 175, you know. It's like that's a big lightweight. That's right. That's a big middleweight. Um, I, I, I can see your point. Yeah. Why do that. you want to see that, Steve? I just think it's interesting. I think you can tell just looking at them. They don't weigh 155. <laughs> right. or they don't weigh 205. Or Derek yeah. Lewis, who got down to 260, is not weighing 260 when he walked in on fight night. You know, that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, I, I, uh, I just think it's interesting. You know, I, I want to say, too, because I think that the, the, there's going to be super diehard UFC fans listening to this and I've said uh, how you know I, I lost contact with John Jones but John Jones and I have been reunited very cool <laughs> I just I just saw him uh, in Albuquerque this past week and um, we've like how's he looking it's huge yeah. <laughs> huge well he think changed. about the two three years he spent putting on this 50 pounds or whatever he's so is he on. like 230 240 he, yeah he's yeah. probably about 240 i would think Fuck, dude. He's, yeah, he, yeah he, he's huge he, he told me to jump on his back for, for a photo and and uh there, there was no issue there he's amazing i'm sorry to say he hasn't fought for so long god knows i want to think i don't want to think about the millions of dollars that he's Forgone. not been able to earn you know during that right. time period 
but he's going to come back, make a ton of money, and and make a ton more, and um, we'll see how he does. He's going to do amazing. Win or lose, it's John Jones. He's coming back. He's a huge yeah. attraction. There's not a single UFC fan, including me as the announcer, and I'm a fan first before I ever pick up that microphone. That I can't wait to see John Jones walk Fuck. back in the octagon. It's yeah. going to be huge. I mean, I I, I was driving. The last time he fought, I, I was driving and I drove past the Staples Center and I, they had, at the yard house. I pulled over, parked my car in valet, and then watched it on the TV because I saw it as I was driving by on the TV. That's how much of a fan of John Jones I am. Yeah, it's it's awesome. And, and I'm not just saying this, Steve. You smell fantastic. <laughs> I'm like sitting there, like, what's that smell? It's unbelievable. Life, yeah, <laughs> baby. I, I'm wearing. I'm wearing. It's time. It's Cologne. time, dude. It's time by Bruce Buffer. Dude, it's time in a Bluetooth game over, dude. Yeah, get get used to it. It's time. To, it's time to go home and make yeah. a baby. Yeah. <laughs> Man, what what an honor, Bruce. Thank you so much for doing this. Thank you, Steve. Uh, thank I appreciate you, it. Thank you for the gifts. Thank you for all of the love. Thank you for the the phenomenon. The the, the, the UFC, I mean, being a fan of the UFC is so exciting. There's not a live event that I could possibly imagine attending that's more exciting than the, than the UFC. And there's nothing I love more than showing up for the very first fight pass prelims. Which you do. Yeah, Which you I love do. it. Yeah. I, I, awesome. I love it. The, the, the first time you guys met, and I think it was at the airport, and I, it, I don't remember the date, but you we were, were flying, flying to, to Chicago. Yeah, and you were flying to Atlantic City. And yeah. you're like, dude, you want to come to Atlantic City? Yeah. And we're like, oh, fuck, we're going to be, you know, but that, that whatever day that was, I that was the that first. I remember that was, you know, I actually saw the picture in my iPhone memory just a little while ago. Okay, cool. Yeah, that was, that was the cool. first time you yeah. guys met. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm, listen, I've been a fan of yours forever, and you're, you blow me away. It's crazy. Well, well thank you so much. You're not so going to get out of here and not have to do anything nuts? That's so cool. <laughs> I'm great. We can kick you if you want. live another day. Man, thank you, Bruce. Thank you, Steve. Appreciate uh, the friendship. Appreciate yeah, everything. Thank likewise. You. Yeah, thank you. Likewise. Thank you, too. Pleasure. And thank you, everybody watching. Thank you for UFC fans. God bless you all. Happy holidays. Yeah, dude. Happy holidays. <laughs> There you have it, folks. A legend. Bruce Buffer. Man, can't say enough good stuff about that guy. And um, I'm wearing his cologne right now. Love it. I pounded his energy drink. Loved it. And uh, I'm not drinking the whiskey. Okay? <laughs> um, and uh, other than that, man, well, what a year. 2022. This will be the last one. Or there's one. Yeah, there's one more. Yeah. Crazy year, man. Thank you for being a part of it. I love you guys.